Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, everyone, welcome to another edition of LaCarte on Location. I'm your host, Steve LaCarte. And folks, when you spent more than 20 years of your life traveling the road, first as a NASCAR crew chief and now as an analyst for NBC, you are bound to meet some interesting characters along the way. The goal of LaCarte on Location is to bring you closer to some of these personalities that I've connected with. And the idea was to do it in some great locations, but this is 2020, so everyone's location is their house because nobody seems to be going anywhere. So I'm at home at my house in Cornelius, North Carolina. My guest today, Denny Hamlin, and by this Zoom, and because I've uh, we're friends and I've been to your house, I know where you are. You're at your house as well, so welcome to 2020. Yeah, so uh, can you throw a stone over here? Can you, you know, I yeah. might, might be able to hit a golf ball over here. I, you never know. Uh, yeah, we are. We are close enough. We probably could have done this one in person, but I'm going to do my part for social distancing. So, Denny, on this podcast, the idea for most of these is to kind of explain to people uh, how someone got where they are in their career, kind of their growth. But yours has been covered so much. Your late models, your opportunity with Joe Gibbs Racing. I thought we were going to take a little different spin this time. You and I are almost the same age. You're a little younger, 39 years old. Your 15th full-time season in Cup. This is, I don't know if this is going to shock you or not. 531 starts. Does it feel like you've run 531 races? Uh, at times, yes. Uh, but, gosh, time flies. I mean, I, I feel like my rookie season just hasn't been that. It's more the years that are more shocking to me than the actual starts is. Yeah, well, in those 531, you've had 235 consecutive. And really what I, what I want to talk about is your consistency and your wins. 43 wins now. That puts you top 20 all time. Uh, you're only 13 away from the top 10. Not that I think anyone enters their life with these astronomical goals, right? But, but is this, did you have the confidence, the vision, the belief early in your career? Because you found success early. Did you ever think you'd start climbing that ladder into the top 20 of total wins? Uh, no, not, not really. Uh, you know, it just kind of, my goals change year to year. Um, I remember just, if you would ask me probably in 2012 or 13, I would have said, man, if I could ever get to 40, it'd be like, that would be a great career goal. And, you know, that goal has been switched now to like 60, you know? So um, I, I think I can get there um, certainly before my career is over. So I, I've, uh, I'm gonna have a lot of opportunities and, and I'm obviously with the right team to do it. So let's, uh, Set the goals lofty and see if I can get there. Well, it's funny you mentioned that. Those are I have all my notes here. I've done you know, so I, I'm fortunate enough to cover your action day in and day out on the racetrack. So as far as what you do in the race car, I feel like I have a pretty good view on it. But when I go back and look at someone's history, it kind of shocks me everything that's happened. Um, you mentioned 12 and 13. You may have thought 40. Now you could you could see 60. I agree. I don't think 60 is out of the question. You want to race every year of your career until 2018. I was Jeff Gordon's crew chief when he went winless the first time. I know that moment in time for him and I uh, meant something, good and bad, both of our careers. 
you've had such a resurgence. Is 2018 a year you look back on? Is that a moment in time or was that just a bad luck year with no trips to victory lane? No, I don't believe in like the luck. Luck gets thrown around way too much in our sport, you know, and, and someone's, you know, running 15th or, or is rolling the bubble or whatever it might be. Like it's not usually because of luck. It's just, you know, the performance hasn't been there. And, and in 2018, the performance really wasn't there. We had plenty of opportunity. We have not plenty, but we had a handful of opportunities to win. We didn't. Um, but I mean, you, you create your own luck in, in, in some circumstances. Now there are times where you can get unlucky, but you know, if you go winless for a whole season, I don't, I don't think that you just were unlucky. I think it, you know, you just weren't good enough. Um, you didn't give yourself enough, op enough opportunities to go out there and win. And, and 2018 was just an off year for us. So I'm not going to put you on the spot and talk about the team or the crew chief of the cars. I think that's unfair for a driver to speak to all that. But I am going to put you on the spot to talk, have you talk about yourself. When you went winless, did you have to look in the mirror and say, what am I doing? What can I do different? Like, how did you evaluate? How did you tell yourself, I'm not going to continue to be winless? Yeah, I mean, I just continued to work harder and harder. I mean, um, I was uh, as motivated as ever. Every single race that I go to, I'm very motivated. Uh, I'm way too competitive to just uh, kind of half-ass anything when it comes to uh, sports or my profession. So, you know, I think that that's why, you know, as I've gotten older, I can I just continue to work harder because I know, you know, the young talent coming in our sport forces you to work harder because, you know, they, they're willing to take risks that, I have learned not really to take, but they'll take it and they'll get rewarded sometimes, sometimes they'll wreck. But I've got to be now smarter with the decisions I make because, um, you know, the, the young talent these days, I mean, they just keep getting better and better. Yeah, it's, it's quite remarkable. Um, I don't know if it's technology, opportunity, whatever it is, but it seems like these young drivers, when they hit the, hit the ground, man, they are off and running. Um, Listen, we're going to talk about a lot. Talk about Denny Hamlin here, um, kind of about his career. There's a lot of water under the bridge. We're going to go back and relive some injuries, some learning moments, all those different things. But I'm going to fast forward to the now. Chris Gabehart comes on board. You're 58 races in. You guys have won 12 races together. That win percentage is outstanding. What is it about this union with you and Chris Gabehart that just seems to work? And, and, and I don't want to say revamp because you've had a great career. But, man, the, the, the ticker on the ticker tape is definitely going up. Yeah. Yeah, he just uh, – I mean, he, he gets the best out of me for sure. Um, you know, I, I think he does a great job of motivating me in the car. And not like, like I say, I'm always giving him my all. But I think that a lot of our success comes from the work that we put in Monday through Friday. Like, you know, we, we really, uh, you know, spend a lot of time uh, thinking about our race car, what we need to look for uh, on the race coming up. Uh, just our process is that's, you know, that to me is our secret sauce. It's just our process in which we prepare for races. Um, it's different than anything that I've ever done, but uh, it certainly is, is reaped rewards and benefits uh, when I switched over in 2019. So, so take, take the race fan into the mind of a driver for a minute. Like as a crew chief, as dysfunctional as this may sound, I can see a race playing out kind of like a book, right? It's chapter one, chapter two. This is where I want to be. This is where I need to be at stage two. I need to have these tires on it. When you look at upcoming races, pick a race. Let's pick Richmond, a hometown race for you, a place you've been so good. Sitting here today, Richmond's not even on the horizon yet. 
Are you able to like close your eyes and say, I want my car to do this. This is what a car needs to do for me at Richmond. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. And, and what, you know, the one thing that Chris has done that's been extremely good is that, uh, you know, we've won at so many different racetracks, you know, even before he was there that he's like, you know, I'll make the car handle the way you drive. And, and when I drive, the way I drive is a little bit unorthodox um, in the way that I, my inputs that I put in, whether it be the gas or the brake or the steering. And he just makes the car fit that style. And he's like, you know, you've been driving this way for 30 years, probably since your go-karts, you were doing the same stuff. So it's my job to just make the car work under those circumstances. And so that's what we do is, is that we adapt it to me versus me having to, you know, if I struggle somewhere, I, I've got to adapt to a different style and then they'll set the car up for that style. Well, in the middle of the race, I'll find myself going back to my old habits and the car's not working good. So he's just finds a way to, to, to work with, with how, how his driver's uh, doing it. So you mentioned styles, uh, you know, 2020 NASCAR, you're, you're, it reminds me a little like golf, like everybody's golf swing can be analyzed. You know, you can't hide it, right? So if you want to watch another golfer, you can video and see what he's doing. Well, now for the fan that doesn't understand, everything you do inside a race car can now be videoed and, and looked at by your teams through data and then all these squiggly lines. The reason I say that is because the only guy that's perhaps seen more laps of you at Martinsville is me. Because when I had Jeff Gordon and Dale Jr., you know, you were the guy we had, you know, there was kind of a group there that we had to go beat. So I watched your, I didn't have this SMT data. I watched video after video about patience, rolling the curb, picking up the gas one time, soft rear spring, straight drive. Like your style was very clear to me. Um, fast forward that to today and your style is on display for everyone. Does it frustrate you? Do you see it as an advantage? Where do you stand on all this information that gets handed out? Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's a portion of me that thinks, you know, this is proprietary information, <laughs> you know, why is it being yeah. But, you know, there's there's another part of me that thinks that, you know, I wasn't always the best at all, you know, at, you know, Dover's one that certainly I was, I think I, of myself over the course of my career, you can average it out and there's been comers and goers of NASCAR drivers, but I'd say I was a fifth to sixth place driver at best when it came to that racetrack. Now I got to use data to help me get better. And, you know, finally we get a win this past weekend. So it's like, you know, I, I think that there's, there's advantages to it. I, I deem it more of an advantage than a disadvantage. Um, I think my style is so hard to replicate that I haven't seen any driver convert to my style of, of driving. Uh, I think it's just too difficult to do um and i just think that it's easier for me to go to someone else's way of doing it versus them coming my way it's funny i asked a crew chief that and and they said well you know they equate it to kind of like a chef they said listen i could tell you everything that's in the dish but unless you do it exactly like i do it's not going to taste the same they're like i have no problem <laughs> sharing my setups because you can only put all you can only put so much detail on paper there's still just so many different choices yeah. so it's funny um Everyone kind of has an opinion. I thought people would be really upset about it, but every driver that I've talked to that is winning races says the same thing that, you know what, I feel like I can go use the data better so it works for them. You mentioned your career. So when we talk to drivers, it frustrates me a little bit. I don't feel they get interviewed as athletes get interviewed. If I was talking to a quarterback right now or a basketball player or a golfer, we would talk about their physicality, uh, what kind of shape they're in, what kind of injuries they've had, all of that, 
Race car drivers, we just assume you're in there driving, you're strapped in. I realize the work it puts in, but you specifically, I want to go back because it's been, you know, I won't say it's been smooth, right? I went back, looked this up. 2010, left ACL, broken back in 13. 2015, right ACL, shoulder surgery a year ago. I mean, you're, you're uh, not the easiest on your I'm ice. Ice on the elbow today, ice on the elbow. But what I found interesting about your, your issues, though, in 2010, you tore left ACL and you won at Martinsville. In 2015, you tore right ACL and you won at Chicago. We have seen this, right? Other athletes have injuries and somehow they perform better. Take me through it, right? Is it just dumb coincidence? Or, I mean, you fought through injury. Does it change the way you approach a weekend or perhaps your focus on the car? Yeah, it's something with to do with the focus. That's the only thing I can think of. And that's why they always say beware, beware of the injured athlete, right? Yeah. I mean, just find a way. Because they don't want to be the reason that their team does not succeed. And when you know you've got the people that work in the race shop or in your pit crew and your A team and your crew chief all looking at you making laps, they put a lot of work in going into that week. And if you aren't 100%, you their work can't be put on display so you work extra hard you concentrate just a little bit more to make sure you're giving that team 100 percent and that your injury is not an excuse and and that's why you you see that more times than not I'm talking to danny hamlin driver of the 11 fedex toyota we're going to touch on that at some point fedex has been with him his entire career i want to get denny's opinion on that um, but while we're in the injury landscape you said something the other day that really caught me off guard, we were uh, doing one of our Zooms to kind of prepare for the race weekend. And you talked about your perception of the race team and, and your appreciation for what they do. And you went back to a moment in time, I think it was 2013, you broke your back in Fontana. You had to miss four races. And you said in, in that moment in time, and it's great because I think everyone does a better job if you've done someone else's job. I think you appreciate what they do. And you mentioned how you watch these races and you said, man, I think we should pit or I think we should do this. And they would do the opposite and it wouldn't work out. And it became clear to you why you're an extremely talented race car driver. You perhaps wouldn't be the best at donning the headset on the pit box. Take us through those four weeks, what you learned and how does it make you better today? Yeah. I mean, certainly sitting out and sitting on top of a pit box, watching a car go around stinks in many, many ways. It's definitely not ideal. Um, I mean, it's essentially like watching a quarterback, you know, sit out and then someone go put on their Jersey and go out there and play. Right. I mean, it's one thing when they got a different name or number, it's like, you know, when it's all the same, it's a little bit tougher, but so, I mean, that was a really tough time. Uh, I thought it was really cool though, that, Mark Martin got to drive my car. That was something that uh, was really cool at Martinsville. That was cool to work with him. Brian Vickers stepped in. Um, but, yeah, it's um, – there's – there is so much different than what we see inside those cars. And I think that that's where a lot of the success that me and Chris have gotten over the last couple of years is I trust him. Like, you know, what he, the one thing that he always says is that, look – he says, the reason we work is because you trust me and I trust you. If I tell you during a practice that, okay, we're going to put caster wheels on the roof and we're going to flip the car upside down and go make a lap, he says, you'll, you'll just say, all right, well, let's, let's go. So, you know, he's, he, I understand that he's got the bigger picture in mind. Um, he trusts, you know, he's the coach. He calls the play. It's my job to go out there and execute the play however he wants it done. Um, that, and, and that's what's worked for us right now. 
Yeah, it's so easy to say everybody has a role, but it's so hard for everybody to stay in their role. I always used to hate pick up basketball games, right, with a guy who thought he was the best player trying to guard my guy, and his is the guy that scored. I'm like, man, just do your part. Like, that's if right. my guy beats me, that's fine, but you block your guy. That's right. Yeah. No, no. We don't need help defense over here. <laughs> yeah, right. No, <laughs> for sure. Uh, so, like I mentioned, 531 starts, you know, 235 consecutive, 43 wins. The other thing I want to talk about, we talk a lot about your success on the racetrack. We talked about your injuries and how I think they, you know, transcend kind of whatever other athletes feel. The other thing when I look at you and your career is I feel like you are one of the few that has found this comfort outside of the NASCAR bubble. I say that with your relationships. It's very clear. It's on your left shoulder here in our Zoom, and it's on your fire suit, your relationship with Michael Jordan. You guys own uh, an eSport team together, right? You're a Jumpman athlete. You brought mainstream athleticism and gear and that brand into NASCAR. I've seen you caddy for Bubba Watson down at the Par 3 tournament. Tell me about that. When I look at stars, Kyle Busch takes a lot of criticism on the racetrack. I feel like you live your life how you want to live it, yet sometimes you get criticism off the racetrack. I don't hear the same thing of Jeff Gordon or Jimmy Johnson who are out living their life. How do you have this confidence just to be, be an athlete? I think you live like most other athletes live as far as confidence and who you want to be around. Yeah, I think that it's just a lot of it depends on the fan base, obviously. And, um, you know, I've never been one of the more popular drivers in NASCAR. I mean, it just from the beginning, I, I just have always hung around like the eighth to tenth most popular driver. And that's just kind of where it's been. You know, I think that people um, – have perceptions of me and my personality outside of the race car um, just based off of maybe a still photo or a video that they see on TV of me walking here and there. Like, you know, I, the people that I think have actually met me um, understand me a little bit better. Uh, I'm introverted. I'm not one of those uh, outspoken guys. And, um, you know, I am with my friends, but I just, you know, I'm not as outgoing as, as others, but, I do have friends that are other athletes and we're connected through whether it be sponsorships or the sports agency that represents me. Um, and I enjoy hanging out with them because I enjoy the competition side of it. Like, you know, if I can go out there and I can play around the golf with Bubba Watson and compete with them, like that, that fuels my passion for competition. And so we form a relationship because of it. And, and we kind of, you know, talk about what each other's, does in between events or races. And, and I'm interested in that. Uh, Michael Jordan, that, I didn't even start that conversation. He pulled me aside at a Hornets game and started asking me about a race that was uh, two weeks ago. He was like, you know, so why did this guy do this? And I'm like, wait a minute, what? You watch NASCAR racing? So, you know, that started with, uh, you know, he got my number and we started texting in the middle of the game. And I can't believe what's going on but this guy is a huge NASCAR fan. Like he watches every single week. He, he will not golf while a NASCAR race is going on. He stops and he goes into the clubhouse with all of his buddies, all eight of them that play with him, and they go watch the NASCAR race for three hours and they go back off. So um, he, he's, he's as avid as you would ever imagine. And I can appreciate it. He's been a great friend. He's showed up to every championship race that I've been eligible to win the championship. Um, this guy is way, way bigger than me, um, but it, it, to me, it shows 
how his true character is and how good of a friend he is. I'll never forget. He came out. He was very kind. He came out of your bus and gave us an interview on NBC before the championship race in Miami. And I was like, oh, look, you know, Michael, you know, this is the most recognizable athlete in, in the world, in my mind. And, and, and he starts dropping some Xfinity Series knowledge, right? Well, oh, the Saturday race was good, and this guy ran good. And I thought to myself, okay, th these aren't talking points. This guy right here is a fan. He, is, he knows his NASCAR. Yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, people didn't know how he, got, how he got interested in NASCAR, but it was his dad. His dad, he said his dad used to take him to the uh, Southern 500 every year. So that's where his uh, um, love for NASCAR came from. It's awesome. That is. It's cool. So I guess the flip I'm going to ask you is, is, you know, social media today I love because, you know, I can interact with fans. I hate because they can sometimes tell me everything I don't want to hear or these people just say whatever they want to hear. You know, I follow you on social media. It, it, it's a strategy for athletes, how they want to be presented. It's very clear to me on your Instagram and stuff. You're, you work very hard with your partners to be presented a certain way. Do you ever get a feedback enough where you're like, Throw your hands up and say, enough, let me just go live in my, because I know you and you are introverted at times, right? Do you want to just go back to your bubble and say, I only want to be a race car driver on the weekends? Because you have to check a box if you want to be this personality seven days a week. It's more work. It, and there's more to it than racing. I mean, it, racing is, I don't know, probably 30% of our actual career. You know, the rest of it is, you know, the preparation that you put in, it's, sponsors it's uh hospitality it's meet and greets it's there's just so much that goes into it and you know I, I represent a very very big company in fedex and i've got to visit tons of different hubs all over the u.s and you know when i see them wearing a fedex just a guy that's in the middle of a sort line wearing a fedex racing hat like that's that's cool to me and i, I see that you know i'm making you know, making a, a difference. I, it, my job makes a difference for, for that guy or gal. So, um, you know, I am me. I'm different um, in that sense that, yeah, I'm not, uh, you know, I have a big house. I have nice cars, but, like, I earned it. Like, yeah. <laughs> nobody gave me anything. Like, I earned it. And so, um, you know, I, I've got the things that I enjoy doing. Um I like playing golf, so I put a golf simulator in the house. I like playing basketball, I put a basketball court. So, like, I just – I got to find a way to be normal in the sense of, like, it doesn't matter whether I was in the limelight or not. These are the things that I would do. Right. So, I am 100% true to myself in that sense. Yeah, no, that, I think that's absolutely fair. Um, you got to – you know, it's hard. I can't imagine, right, so, so – you talk about Michael Jordan's popularity, right? But then, then there's guys like you, right? And then way down below, there's even a guy like me. You have to find this place to be a public figure, but still not lose your identity of who you are. And that is a very slippery slope and line on the ground. And I think it's only become more dangerous in the, in the last five or 10 years with social media and just everything is out there, right? I, I think to myself, I think about my children, right? I know you have young children. I think about my son, he's 16, right? And he's living this 16-year-old this life. I think back to me at 16, I wasn't mature enough to have social media. So I don't know how these kids, your two young daughters, right? In another 12 or 13 years, what, what's the world they're going to live in? It's, it's uh, crazy. It's, you know, to me, you know, I, I think about this all the time. And it's, and it's like, you know, some of the criticism is, well, you know, people can't relate to that. And I said, well, they're not necessarily supposed to relate. I can't relate to Michael Jordan. I can't relate to Bubba Watson. I can't, you know, yeah. those guys are bigger than life because of, 
of what they do. And I, I'm interested in, in, in that because, you know, they are, they are bigger than me and more popular and more, um, you know, whatever. So it's just, it's, I try to be relatable in the sense that, you know, I came from very, very humble background. Um, but I also don't mind, you know, being true to myself and, and rewarding myself for what I've accomplished throughout my career. So you mentioned the brand and it's on your hat. You know, I have the ability and the opportunity to call these races and I love it. And, and some cars just naturally. So I don't worry about how I call a car. I just do it naturally. Some are by last name, some are by car number, some are by color. Well, you're, you know, you're the driver of the 11 FedEx Toyota, right? It just, that's it. You're in the FedEx car. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's now I'm not as good as you of getting the whether it's FedEx ground or FedEx this or like, I don't get all the taglines right, but yeah. I know what you're in every week. In the business of NASCAR, we see teams have multiple partners and they're all necessary. And I'm not, I'm not devaluing a single one. And I try very hard to mention as many as I can because they support a sport that I love and I cover. But you mentioned how proud it is when you see someone wearing a FedEx racing hat at a FedEx area. But what does it mean to have a company the size of FedEx, right? This is not a small company that has, you know, had the belief in you year after year after year for now more than a decade and a half. Well, you know, the program, it means a lot to me is, is the answer. But, you know, the program started in 2005 because of the employees. Fred Smith did it for the employees and they wanted a car to root for on Sundays. And so uh, they, they joined with Joe Gibbs Racing and you know, didn't have a whole lot of success that first year um, until we came in later on in the season. But yeah, it's I've got something that's, that's unheard of in our sport right now. You know, it's same car, same sponsor, same team for all of their career. Um, so, I, you know, I don't take it for granted. I know I'm blessed beyond words could say, but they see value in it. You know, they, when I go to a FedEx um, suite at a race or I meet, do some meet and greets before, right beside the car for either customers or employees, like that is, they, they deem that value enough for them to, to put their name on that car and support me and Joe Gibbs Racing. Um, the feedback that they get from the meet and greets um, is overwhelming. You know, we're doing now, you know, since we can't do it at the racetrack, we're doing Zoom meet and greets on Fridays. And, you know, to see these people in their workplace, um, you know, a lot of them at, at a FedEx office or whatever it might be, or a FedEx hub, uh, taking time out and to, to meet the FedEx driver before we go racing the next day, um, they, they've been creative in their ways to, to uh, make this a very valuable sponsorship for them. And they sponsor other sports. It's not just racing, but they believe in the program uh, that, that it brings, the business to business. And there's a lot of other companies within Joe Gibbs Racing that Joe has worked really hard at uh, to, to get to switch to, Joe, to FedEx. And that's brought extreme value to them. Right. So it's, it's really worked hand in hand. Um, Joe and Fred Smith have a tremendous relationship. I have a tremendous relationship with all the other executives within FedEx. And um, it's just worked for us. You know, we, I, there's the FedEx cup in golf. I love going out there and playing golf for them. And, you know, to them, 
it's an appearance. For me, it's fun. So, you know, it's just, it's a partnership that's worked really well for the last 15 years. Well, it's worked and it's noticeable. Um, and quite selfishly, I appreciate it because as I try to pick cars out of the lineup as they're coming down, sometimes all the different schemes can get a little blurry, but that one stands out every time. All right, Danny, well, I'd be remiss if I let you go without talking about the here and the now and what's coming up. Unbelievable season. I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask expectations or anything, but just handicap the playoffs. When you look at round one, round two, round three, where do you sleep good? Where do you have anxiety? You know, Phoenix is Phoenix, right? We'll, we'll get there and we'll talk about Phoenix. What's the path to Phoenix in the championship race for you? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, getting into the third round um, is key. Uh, the, the only question mark I have in, in questionable stats, you could say, it would be the Roval. Um, you know, we just had a ton of success at the Daytona Road Course, though. So, I don't know. We're, we're running good at every track that I typically had not run good at. Um, so, I don't see any weaknesses. I thought that this stretch of five races uh, with Dover, Daytona Road Course, Daytona Oval, like these were going to be – this would be kind of a tough stretch for us. But, I mean, we're – listen, we're – up front every single week battling for wins. If we're not chasing down the leaders in the, in, in the last run of the day, it's not a normal week for us. And it looked like we were going to do it again in the second Dover race. And so, you know, I don't know. I, I just, my expectations is to go win every single week. Uh, Chris was very lofty when he, and he opened my eyes when he says, all right, we're going to go out and win 10 races this year. And I'm like, 10 races? Like, <laughs> come on, man. Like six was a lot last year. And so, you know, he says, I'm telling you, when we have green races, which is driver doesn't make mistakes, we don't stub our toe in the pits, you know, there's not an untimely caution that puts us a lap down, that's a green race. No damage, don't hit the wall, no damage. That's what a green race is. He says, you know, look at these races in which we had green races where just nothing went wrong. He says, last year we should have won 11. So why can't we say that we're going to be better and go in 10. And so that's been our goal is to have a green race. And if we have a green race, we're finding ourselves in contention to win every single week. So I'd like to get to 10. I think we're a little off schedule for that. You know, if we could take back maybe Indy and Bristol that I <laughs> didn't end so well, we'd be on schedule. But um, I, I'd like to somehow try to get, you know, three or four more wins uh, and then just put myself in a, in a spot to where try to win it at, at win the last race of the season. I mean, you know, I have to think about it. I really, truly have to think about it, especially with this format, whether I would rather win three races or, or let's say two or three races in a championship or 10 races and not win the championship. I really would have to think about that in this day and age. Yeah, it's changed. The look has changed, right? You can do it. We saw Jimmy Johnson. He's won in every different format, but arguably his last one was not his best year, but he got it done, and he has the championship trophy, and he was the champion in that format. He did it at the last race. It's kind of that walk-off moment for sure. All right, well, Denny, sometimes I would eye-roll when someone starts talking about winning that many races, but I've covered it out of the booth, and I'm a, I'm a believer in what I'm seeing. As you said, every last run of every race, you're in the picture, um, they don't always go your way, but I'm a true believer winning races uh, is a result of continuing to put yourself in a position to win, and eventually they will go your way. Uh, man, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you catching up. It's, uh, it's going to be fun covering uh, your push for a playoff championship here. And uh, what do we got, 12 or 13 races left in the season? It's going to be a blast. 
yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, hopefully we make it there. And uh, there's nothing more I'd like to do than dual Harvick at, at, at Phoenix. So that's his, that's his track. And uh, he's, uh, the two of us have obviously been near the class of the field this year, but uh, a little head to head in the final run, there would be the season summed up and, and, in, 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 in a nutshell. It has. It has. It's been a heavyweight fight watching Denny and Harvick go head-to-head. He says he's the sixth, seventh, eighth most popular driver, so if you need a driver to cheer for in NASCAR, you can pick Denny Hamlin. Drives the FedEx Toyota. This has been another edition of LaTarte on Location. As always, review, rate, subscribe, and let me know what you think of them. Get your podcast anywhere you get your podcast. This one's available. Thank you. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. 